music, money and law. The trio that rules over musicians. They live off their music or, in the case of Seiyu, they use music as a complement to their careers as voice actors. They then aim to earn the most money they can, but the music industry has so many middlemen taking a cut of the earnings their music makes, that at times it's better to not even venture to the music industry. And then there's the law. The complex things behind the scenes that determine who is the owner of the music, lyrics, melodies and the sort. The ones that determine who gets what in terms of royalties. On the outside, musicians release music periodically. On the backstage, deals are made with streaming platforms for music distribution, songs need to be licensed, advances need to be paid to music labels, between many other things. The music industry is as fascinating as it is complicated to understand. Because of its complexity, you and I are back at exploring music royalties in this episode, this time around, to better understand what are the types that your favorite Seiyuu artists may earn from their music. Let's kick off this episode of Seiyuu Lounge. Welcome to Seiyu Lounge, I am your host Vanessa and today's topic is Music Royalties for Male Seiyu Artists Different Types of Royalties This is yet another complex theme that will occupy a full episode. But before that, and to avoid legal issues, a disclaimer. I am by no means a lawyer, so all information in this episode should not be considered legal advice in any capacity. These and the next episodes include information for educational purposes, because you and other CEO Lounge's listeners love to learn new things pertaining to the careers of your favorite voice actors and, well, I am a geek about these things and I want to share with you how everything works behind the scenes. Now, and before approaching this theme of different types of royalties, and because things can get a bit complex from here on, let me sum up what was explained in the last episode. For purposes of this explanation, let's do an exercise, okay? Imagine you are a CU artist. You're signed to Lantis. You've just made your solo debut with a mini-album including music written and composed by yourself and you even recorded yourself playing the songs on guitar in the final recording of the songs. Since you wrote the lyrics and music, you own publishing rights. So every time another artist wants to perform your song or do a cover, they'll have to purchase a license to use it. When a license to use your music is purchased, you will receive royalties for it. And every time that that cover is played, 
you earn royalties. Royalties are payments that you receive because someone used your music. In this example, because someone covered your music. And if you have registered yourself as a songwriter with a publishing company, that company will collect royalties every time your music is played or that someone purchases licenses to perform or cover your music. You don't need to care about anything else. They will check if people are stealing your music and will enforce your rights if they encounter copyright violations. They do the hard work of keeping up with where your music is being shared or licensed to. If a publishing company is managing your music, in a way, they will get 50% of your publishing rights. But on the positive side, they have legal teams and time to spend checking where your music is. You just dedicate your free time to writing, composing and performing your music. Leave the law stuff to them. Aside from writing the lyrics and music, you played the guitar on your mini-album. You also own recording rights. However, since you are a rookie, most likely in this example, Lantis handed you an advance, which is money given to the artist to record their music. The advance will have to be paid in full to Lantis when the CD releases. Because they lent you money, they now own 50% of the recording rights to your music. Remember, without them you wouldn't have had money to record the album and hire session musicians to play drums, piano and other instruments you can't or don't know how to play, not to mention the producer and mixer. If you record the music in a studio that you pay for with your own money, then in this example Lantis can't take a cut of your recording rights. You'll be the sole owner of those. By the end of the day, if you are a singer-songwriter, you have recording rights, which can be 100% if you played all instruments, and publishing rights between 50% and 100%, depending on the publishing deal. Every time people stream your music on Spotify or Apple Music, your music video is played on YouTube, or your CDs are purchased, you receive royalties, which consist in money that you are owed because you own copyrights over your music. If other artists want to perform a cover of your songs, for example, they have to purchase a license for that. Those last during your life plus 70 years after your death. I hope this explanation consolidates what happened in the past episode. Once again, if anything is unclear to you, please let me know in the comments or hit me up on Twitter so that I can help you better understand this. Now let's kick off for real this episode talking about the different types of royalties. As you and I already know, royalties are payments that go to recording artists, songwriters, composers, publishers, 
and other copyright holders for the right to use their intellectual property. You can receive those monthly, quarterly, or yearly. Royalties can be of four different types, and CU artists can earn some of those, all of those, or none of those. It really depends, like I mentioned in the previous episode, on three things. 1. Whether they are singer-songwriters or just performers. 2. If their music label gave them advances or not. 3. If they have a publishing deal or not. These three things are what makes every single Seiyu artist's career be completely unique. There are no two Seiyu artists that share the exact same contract terms with music labels, there are no two CU artists that have the exact same arrangement in their publishing deals, and so on and so forth. So please have into attention the only thing in common that Daisuke Ono, Miyuirino, Makoto Furukawa, Yumochida, Mamoru Miyano, Shotawai, Soma Saito or Old Codex have is... There's a CU performing music. Nothing else is the same between them, although you may be mistaken into thinking like that. Behind the scenes there are a lot of things going on. Music royalties are really specific to each Seiyu artist, as this can be negotiated with their music labels. Their talent agencies may want a cut and it can change, once again, how much a Seiyu artist earns. You get the gist. Now back to what I was saying. Royalties can be of four different types. To make it simpler to you, when I am talking about each royalty, have into attention that singer-songwriters like Toshiki Toyonaga, Soma Saito, You Make, Gran Rodeo and Old Codex earn most, if not all, the royalties I will be mentioning. Remember, they hold recording and publishing rights over their own music. Performers may have a right to some of the royalties mentioned in this episode. Now let's kick this off. Mechanical royalties. Mechanical royalties are due every time a copyrighted composition is reproduced or distributed in either physical or digital form. All this to say that mechanical royalties include all music formats such as CD, vinyl, cassette, something that most people nowadays don't know what it is, digital downloads and, you guessed it, streaming services. To put it simply, every time an artist sells a CD, digital copy of their CD in whatever format or have their music streamed, they receive mechanical royalties. The term mechanical royalties nowadays is a bit confusing. You hear the word mechanical and immediately think about something that you can hold in your hand, like a physical copy of a CD. Back in the day, before music streaming, when physical copies of CDs, vinyl or cassettes were a thing, it made sense to call these mechanical royalties. Mechanical refers to the fact that the music was reproduced to physical media. 
Now the term mechanical royalties also includes digital downloads and streaming as those are, in a way, also a reproduction of the music, however not in physical version. For example, every time a music label prints a CD or distributes a Seiyu artist's music online, they pay mechanical royalties to the songwriters. There are some exceptions in what I just said, but let's not complicate things further for you. Imagine Murino's Life Is. There are a multitude of composers and lyricists that have worked on that album. When Kiramune prints a copy of Life Is and puts it for sale, or when Kiramune made the CD available for streaming on Spotify, the composers on Muirino's Life Is got mechanical royalties. For every physical CD printed and sold, plus for every single song stream on Spotify. Hope this is clear enough for you to understand what are mechanical royalties. Still within the mechanical royalties, there's a subtype that needs to be talked about. Those are the streaming royalties. Nowadays, people can't even imagine what it was like to not have streaming services. Most people have moved on from physical to digital and thus, musicians have started earning royalties from yet another avenue. Music labels work alongside distributors or aggregators in order to have their artist songs available on streaming platforms. On a side note, this is why some Seiyuu artists don't have their music available on Spotify or Apple Music. Their music labels don't have an arrangement with any distributor or aggregator to start distributing the music from their artists. Perhaps it's their strategy, but in the case of smaller music labels, it's a question of how much the artist is expected to earn or not from streaming royalties, especially when those artists are pretty niche. Back to what I was saying. Streaming royalties come from music that is played on streaming platforms. Simple enough. And streaming royalties are due not only when the music is licensed to be on streaming platforms, but also every time an artist's song is played on those platforms. But you'll say, but are streaming royalties that much different from mechanical royalties? My answer is no. That's why these are included with mechanical royalties. These are an extension of the mechanical royalties. When you went to a bar, coffee shop, a nightclub, music festival or even to a clothing store, you have music being played in the background. If you listen to the radio, use streaming platforms, you are playing music. Performance royalties are generated through copyrighted songs. The songs you're listening to in a nightclub or bar, for example, being performed, recorded, played or streamed in public. What do I mean by public? Well, if you are, for example, holding a small party at home and playing music from a streaming platform or from a CD you purchased, you don't owe performance royalties to the artist in question. 
at home and with a close circle of family and or friends, if you want to blast Fling Posse's Black Journey or Makoto Furukawa's Mosaic to Fairy Tale, you're in the clear, you don't have to pay for any copyrights. However, if you own a bar and are playing music there, you owe performance royalties to the artist in question. After all, you charge money for people that frequent your bar. Although not directly, you are earning money off of that music and are playing it in public. Performance royalties include songwriter royalties and publishing royalties. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, performing rights organizations collect recording and publishing royalties that come from the copyrights of the same name. Remember to pay the performers in the case of recording copyrights and the songwriters in the case of lyrics, melody, notes and etc for their work. Synchronization royalties. Mamoru Mienu's How Close You Are, Tasuko Hatanaka's Dying Wish, Shotawoi's Bad End, Yumuchida's Coming Back. What do these songs have all in common aside from being performed by male CU? Those have been licensed to be featured in anime series. Synchronization royalties are generated when copyrighted music is synced with or featured in visual media such as TV series, anime, movies, YouTube videos and video games. For example, Moriarty the Patriot features Tasuko Hatanaka's Twisted Hearts as the opening theme for its second cure. For Bandai, to get such a license is easy as Hatanaka is signed to Lanty's music label part of their group. Still, a synchronization license is needed, otherwise Hatanaka wouldn't be earning money from having his song featured in the anime series. By owning that license, Bandai have the right to use Twisted Hearts, which is a copyrighted song, in Moriarty the Patriot. To use that song, that synchronization license must cover the publishing and recording rights to the song. Why is that? Because the song is going to be reproduced with both the song and performance by Hatanaka. As simple as that. If it was going to be covered by another artist and get a different arrangement, for example, the license could be simple and the publishing copyright would go to the songwriter and their publisher. A synchronization license gives the license holder the right to use copyrighted music in films, television, anime, video games, online streaming, advertisements between many other types of visual media. These licenses are usually sold by music publishers. That's why they are so important for artists, even if they take 50% of the earnings for them. Print rights. Lastly, we have the print rights, which at their core are the simplest to understand. You print guitar tabs or piano sheets of the music by an artist, so you must have print rights or a license to do so. 
Remember what I told you about the publishing rights that songwriters have? Those include the notes, sheet music, melodies and more. As soon as you take and sell those, even without the audio support, which is to mean the music as you know it, you have to pay royalties for those rights to print it and sell it. To sum it all up, print rights consist on royalties paid to songwriters and publishers based on sales of printed shit music. Another episode, another in-depth look at music royalties. For this episode, you and I covered the four different types that your favorite CU artists may earn. If you noticed, all those royalties are due to singer-songwriters while performers only have the right to some of those. I hope this pulls the veil off of that misconception that singers that sell a lot of CDs or have millions of streams do earn a lot of money. It really depends on the situation and, as a norm, they don't. Their music labels do, the artists don't. Well, singer-songwriters are due money from a wide variety of rights, all connected to the music they craft and perform. For performers, those rights go to the original composers and lyricists, not to mention their music labels. It doesn't look like it, but performers do lose a lot of money by not making their music. Of course, not all artists are lyricists or enjoy composing music, which is fair. On the other hand, since singer-songwriters earn money from a wide variety of music royalties, it explains why, in the last couple of years, there has been a spike of seiyu artists composing or at least writing lyrics to their songs. I can't blame them. That's another source of revenue for them. While the revenue they get from the four royalties that I mentioned isn't much to begin with, imagine their earnings without those royalties. In this episode, there are no questions. However, after learning a bit about these types of royalties, I would love if you did this little exercise. Pick a song you love by your favorite male seiyuu artist or band and tell me what are the types of music royalties that you can find in it. If you have the physical CD in which that song you love is, have a look at the booklet. It should say who composed and wrote the songs. That's half the exercise done for you. And of course, leave those answers in the comments. I'll go over all of your answers and if you have questions, I will gladly lend a hand and explain in a different way some of the concepts I've taught up until now. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the hand that feeds HQ's weekly mail CU and music-related content, hit the subscribe button. I'll return next week with another episode of CU Lounge. Thank you for listening and see you guys around. <laughs>